Just a quick review. Um, we're hitting on the three R's, right? Revelation, relationships, and responsibility. And basically, we got that model because that's what Jesus gave to his disciples. Jesus gave revelation, relationship, responsibility to his disciples. And that's how he grew these ordinary guys. Some of them are very uneducated to become world changers. We're using that same model right now um, as, as a way for living stones to come alongside of you to help you grow like never before. You know, what I'm sharing today is really a culmination of something that God has really taught me, like crammed this into my life in the last two or three months. And I'm trying to articulate this in about 30, 40 minutes to you guys. Uh, but this to me is very real. This is active, very, very much active in my everyday life. Just last night, my wife and I went on a date and we activated some of these principles and I saw the powerful effect um, it has in my marriage already. Now, I would say that we at Living Stones, one of our values is uh, covenant relationship. We really care about relationship. And that's one of the reasons why I was drawn to Living Stones in the first place. Authentic relationship, real relationship, there's a real value placed on relationship. But I will say in the last several months, the Lord has really taught me that not only, I, I have an understanding of the importance of relationship, right? But the Lord is teaching me, man, this understanding of relationship needs to be deepened. I've got to a place in which I really thought, you know what, relationship is really important for us. To relationship is crucial, okay, for our development, for our growth. So remember a couple uh, weeks ago, I talked about the things that we may have uh, know, but we don't necessarily believe. Remember that? To me, this is one of those things for me. And here's the bottom line. Here's the takeaway from today. Here's the truth. Our need for relationship is on the same level as our need for water, for food, and for air. It's for life. Exactly. Like, again, that concept no one would probably argue with me about, right? But do we really live that out in our everyday practical life? I know I haven't. I'm, I'm working on doing this. Okay. Um, so I want to begin by sharing a short passage from uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. Uh, John Townsend's book, How People Grow, just to give you an idea, the pretext onto the importance of relationship. And for those who don't know, um, Dr. Henry Cloud and Townsend are Christian psychologists uh, who has a great job integrating counseling with the scriptures. So they start by saying that the Bible teaches us that our need for relationship is part of God's created order. Okay, created order. In other words, just like we were created to need oxygen, that's part of natural, natural way of things. Okay, we shouldn't be ashamed of it. That's just how nature works. Our need for relationship is just as crucial. Okay, we need water, we need air, but we also need connections. It's a medical fact that throughout our life, from when we're babies to the elderly, our health depends on several different things, right? It depends on if we get enough rest. It depends on whether we get enough healthy, uh, healthy food. It also depends on what kind of connections we truly have, meaningful connections. In fact, many times infants and the elderly, because of their vulnerable position, when they're not able to get those connections, they get sick and they die. These are medical facts. And they also continue that virtually every emotional and psychological problems, and I would add many health problems, okay, from addiction to depression, has emotional isolation at its core. And the recovery of these problems often involves restoring the connection at these deeper levels. 
Okay, this is astounding to me because I think about it this way. Like if you're sick, you get colds all the time, you have issues, you go to see your doctor, you're like, doctor, I need this prescription drug, I need this special treatment. And your doctor's like, well, hold up, wait a second. Before we get to that, I want to ask you, when's the last time you got like six to seven hours of sleep a night? Well, I sleep about three hours a night. When's the last time you eat healthy food? Well, I go to McDonald's three times a day. Well, when's the last time you are properly hydrated? Well, I drink Diet Coke every day, all day long. Does that count? No, before we do these treatments, let's make sure you get properly rested. Let's make sure you're hydrated, right? Let's make sure you eat healthy food. We get that intuitively, correct? But when we have emotional problems, depressions, addictions, do we ask ourselves, wait a second, am I, am I struggling because I don't have healthy connections? We don't understand that. We don't see it that way. See, he continued. He says, the problem we have in the Christian community is that people get into more religion than true connections. Religion is easy. Connections is difficult. It explains why people can attend church their whole life, study Bible study their whole life, and be spiritually, emotionally unhealthy and never grow. Paul talks about this in Colossians 2.19. He says, They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by his ligament." Ligaments and sinews grows as God calls it to grow. In other words, when we have lost connection with the body and with the head, we will no longer grow. And he continues with the statement. He says, the clear teaching of the New Testament is that the body of Christ is to be deeply connected to each other, supporting each other, and filling each other's hearts. Filling each other's hearts. So my process in this discovering to relationship and connection is going from, man, relationships are really important for us to grow. I've learned, I've grew to that relationship is absolutely necessary for us to grow. You see the difference? To add a bonus to this is absolutely necessary. In fact, if you don't have these specific connections, not only will you not grow, you're going to be very unhealthy and be sick all the time. Look, I want you to think about it this way. Now, everyone raise your right arm real quick. Raise your right arm. I'm not asking you to swear anything. Just raise your right arm. Look at your right arm. It's a beautiful arm, right? You enjoy your right arm, okay? Let me ask you a question. In what condition will this right arm continue to be healthy and grow? Okay? Let me ask you, for example, will proximity to your body, just proximity itself, helps it grow? So, for example, if I cut your arm off or you cut your arm off, but you keep it close to your body... Keep it in your back pocket all the time. Just have that picture. Will it grow? Will it grow? It will not grow. How about you, V? I don't cut it off completely. I just sever the arteries and the veins and the bone structure. I know my wife is like, that's a gruesome picture. But I think it's helpful, okay, to get in your head. So it's just hanging on to your arm by just a couple skin. It's pretty gruesome. Will it grow? It will not grow, right? We understand without some crucial connections like arteries and vesicles and bone structures, your arm will not grow. We get that, right? But at the same time, for many of us, we have a level of relationship with the body of Christ. We're in proximity to each other. You might wave to other people across the foyer. You might sit next to each other. You might even go out for coffee sometimes. I'm not just talking about you guys. I'm, I'm talking about pastors too. But there is no meaningful connections. You see what I'm talking about? 
you will not grow and you won't even be healthy. See, the word relationship gets so confusing because relationship means one thing to you and one thing to me. Instead, I want to talk about very specific connections that you must have to grow. In fact, I've been reading a lot about why some of these pastors who have been so successful their whole life, healing, helping people, and later in their life, there's some crazy moral failures. How did that happen? You know what? They lost connection with the body of Christ. They're still doing stuff, but they have lost connection. They feel like they can't have authentic relationships anymore. They feel like they can't have friends anymore. They lose connection with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. And then when they're isolated, even though they're still preaching good messages, they have lost connection. So today, I want to bring clarity to this issue. I want to talk about specific connections you must have to grow. You see what I'm saying? Specific connection. I want to talk about three specific connections. And while I'm going through these three, I want you to think about it this way. Do I have these types of connection in my life? Okay? So that's one way to think about it. The other way I want you to think about it is, can I be one of these three connections to somebody else? Does that make sense? You guys can multitask, right? Examine your own life to say, can I get, do I have those three? In other ways, think, can I be these three in someone else's life? So you guys ready for these connections? You guys ready? All right. I'm going to quickly go over the first two, then I'm going to spend a little bit more time on the third one, because that's my favorite. The first one is the encourager. The role of the encourager is to inspire you. Jesus encouraged his disciples all the time. In Matthew 16, this, this you guys are very familiar with. He's encouraging Peter. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Imagine you're Peter, blue-collar Peter, uneducated fisherman, and Jesus saying, I've given you the keys to the kingdom, and you are blessed. Man, if I was Peter, I would feel like I'm on cloud nine. He's speaking identity into my heart. We all love encouragement. Who doesn't love some encouragement? But here's the deal. How does encouragement actually make you grow? Why is encouragement necessary for you to grow? I'm going to break this down to you. The reason for this is because for you to actually engage in growth, okay, you will have to take risks. You will have to take risk. Growing is risky. You have done something, you're trying to do something you have never done before. For example, if you're trying to grow in emotional maturity, okay? Anybody want to grow in their emotional maturity? Own your own emotions, not blame everyone else? To do that, you have to think differently. You have to let go of some toxic emotion, toxic mindset, victim mindset. You have to think, man, I take ownership of my own emotions. I'm not going to blame them. I'm going to own that. That's risky. That's scary. You've never done it before. We find such comfort in our old way of thinking. I'm speaking to myself here. For you to engage a new way of thinking, that's risky. Anybody want to try a new sport or maybe a new instrument? It's risky. You might fail. It might be difficult. People might, might make fun of you. It's scary. It's risky. If you have never worked out before, you go into the gym, you're working out next to these buff guys. It's scary. It's risky. I'm just being real here. Okay, my wife and I went to the, on our date, we went to the gym, YMCA. We were placed for a date, but that's what we did. 
And she hasn't been to the gym in a while. And she was like, wow, this is weird. I haven't been here for a long time. It's intimidating. It's scary. It's risky. Growth means that you are entering a new territory. So how do you overcome risk? You need courage. You need someone to come alongside of you to take the courage they have and put it in you. Encourage you. Does that make sense? I can't break it down anymore, okay? For you to grow, you need an encourager. This is very real-life applicable, okay? If you want to grow in getting, in getting in better shape, the first month you're working out, you're trying hard, you see no effect. Second month, you see no effect. You're getting discouraged. You're leaking courage. And someone comes alongside of you and says, hey, you know what? It took me four or five months to actually see results. Say, don't give up. I'm going to give you courage to help you not give up. You're trying to grow in your relationship with your estranged kids or your parents or your wife. And you try, you're praying for them, you're engaging them, you're loving them, and they just could care less. After a month or two of this, you're getting exhausted, you're tired, you're getting discouraged. Your encourager come alongside of you and say, don't get discouraged. It's going to take months for this to happen. Don't give up. That's how encouragers comes along and help you so you can push past the threshold, the breaking point. Most of us don't grow because we don't push past the breaking point because we get discouraged. The encourager comes and speaks life to you in the middle of death. That's how encourager helps you grow. The encourager also inspires you by speaking identity to you. Jesus was speaking identity into Peter that Peter can't see for himself. For you to be encourager, you need a vision from the Holy Spirit for somebody that they don't have for themselves. You speak life into them. You know, the Lord's been leading me about speaking life, encouraging my kids when they are misbehaving or when they need discipline. My daughter the other day, she was a little harsh with her younger brother. So I took her aside and wanted to correct her. She was expecting some correction. But I felt the Lord said, speak life instead. Encourage her instead. So I bent down, I looked at her eye to eye, I said, hey, Alethea, my six-year-old little girl. I said, this is not who you are. You are one of the kindest, most caring little girl I've ever met. How you just taught you a brother, that's not who you are. You love your brother. Let me remind you of who you are. Let me call you into your true identity, which is an encourager, caring, loving, and kind. I could see her face change. I could see those emotions of caring flowing back into her. You see what I'm saying? We need to be encouragers to speak identity into our kids. Just now before service began, my son had a hard time going to children's ministry. Because he was getting nervous. He was getting scared. And I grabbed him. I said, hey, son, Nehemiah, that's not who you are. You're a man of God. You're full of courage. I'm reminding him of his true identity in Christ. That's what an encourager does. He gives you courage. And they remind you of your true identity. So the first connection we all must have is an encourager. The second connection we must have is a challenger. The challenger gives us feedback, feedback. Uh, Matthew 16, Jesus was explaining how he must suffer many things, he must be killed, and the third day be raised to life. And Peter said, you know what, I'm going to be Jesus' challenger. Good luck being Jesus' challenger. He said, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in the minds the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. 
Jesus was not only an encourager to, to his disciples, he was also a challenger. You see, one thing I've learned is human beings have an infinite ability for their own blind spots. I know people can be staring at their weakness, at their blind spot in the face, and they can rationalize it away. I see that happen over and over again. At the same time, I also notice that it doesn't take a rocket scientist to notice everyone else's blind spots. We might never be able to see your own blind spot, but you're so good at pointing out other people's weakness. Isn't that true? Even though it's so easy to point out each other's blind spot, and your blind spot is actually what helps you grow to overcome that, why is it we have such a hard time growing? Well, the truth is because feedback, though helpful it is, is painful to receive. It's not fun to receive. But you know, someone said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But that's what happens all the time. We keep going around that mountain, making the same mistakes, and keep trying the same thing and say, you know what, I don't need any feedback. I don't need to see, I don't need a third person perspective on what I'm doing wrong. I'm just gonna keep doing the same thing and hope something is different. Because we avoid the pains of feedback. We avoid the pains of challengers. The Bible says in Proverbs, the mocker will hate you for correcting them, but the wise will get wiser. See, receiving feedback is never fun. Uh, It's not fun for me. There's very few people I know who loves getting feedback. But because I don't like feedback, I have to very proactively engage in feedback. I have several strategic people in my life and their job, I've requested that they give me specific feedback. One of the persons is my wife. Did you know that most sermons before I preach them, I preach them to my wife and I ask her for feedback? And some are encouraging, many are not. <laughs> I want honesty. She'll be like, that part is really good. You need to elaborate a little bit more. Or that part is unclear. And that part, I just don't know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> but I worked so hard on it. If you look at my notes, you see a bunch of X's. You see these crossed out. It's an editing process, okay? But here's the deal. Here's a little trick I use. Whenever I get feedback from her or others that I really don't enjoy, I ask myself the question, Am I more, is my loyalty to being right or is my loyalty to grow? So you can't have both. You can't be right and grow. Because I'm right, I'm good, then I don't need to grow. Or I can say, you know, my, uh my loyalty is to grow, so I'm going to receive this feedback and cut this part out of my message I worked so hard on because it doesn't resonate. That's very real. I also have a few people who are not in my context who gives me feedback. There are people who could care less that I have a pastor in front of my name. They just tell me as it is. Eh, that didn't sound right to me. But I'm a pastor. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to give you feedback because I want to help you grow. We have a choice. Do you want that feedback? Now, I do want to uh, give you a little warning here. It's very, very difficult if you want to aspire to a person who only gives feedback. In fact, don't aspire to just be someone's challenger. It's like, this is my business plan. I'm a professional challenger. I'm going to go around and tell people why they are really bad at their job. I'm going to go around and tell them why they're really bad at a relationship. If you do that, you will lose all your clients, you lose all your friends, and you lose all your family, okay? Don't do that. 
Instead, aspire to be an encourager. Start with there. Be a really, really good encourager. Speak life. Come along people in their hardship and bring courage into their journey. And after you become the encourager for a season, if they're wise, they might invite you to become their challenger. Does that make sense? And see that process? But I'm going to go into my third point. What's even better than the encourager from my standpoint? Okay, so you need a connection as an encourager. You need a connection from the challenger. And then you need a connection of a counselor. A counselor. The role of the counselor is comfort and processing. John 14, 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. Jesus cares that your heart to be at rest and not be troubled. He cares that you are comforted. Did you know that? Jesus cares that you're comforted. Furthermore, in Luke 9, you remember when Jesus called the 12 and he sent them out to heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and proclaim the kingdom of God? But when they returned, this is what Jesus did. He took them and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowd learned about it and followed him. See, when these guys came back, they have stories, they have excitement. They want to share with Jesus what happened. You know what Jesus did? He listened to them. He says, come, that's hide, and that's process. I want to hear your story. I want to process your emotion. I want to hear about your failures. Let's process this together. Jesus cares about healing, and he cares about processing. So how does comforting you help you grow? I want to go back to my gym, gym example that I like to talk about a lot. You know, we say we go to the gym to get big. That's actually not true at all. You go to the gym to get small, right? You go to the gym to break down your muscle. If all you do is work out, you will get smaller and smaller and smaller. Does that make sense? Am I crazy here? Everyone gets that, right? The working out process doesn't grow your muscle. It just breaks it down. Do you know when you actually get big? When you're at home, when you're resting, when you're eating healthy food, when you're comforted, that's when you actually grow. Okay, there was a season in my life in which all I did was work out because I was stressed, I wasn't sleeping well, I, I just took out all my stress at working out. And I realized every day when I go and work out more, I'm lifting less and less weight because my body never grew, it never recovered because I was never comforted, okay? It's the same thing for your heart, okay? Your emotions, your soul, your spirit, if you're constantly stressed, you're anxious all the time. You're always filled with toxic emotions and toxic people who are tearing you down. I don't care how hard you work, how hard you want to grow, you will not grow. I have tried it. Trust me. This is why Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the presence of Christ, his peace and his rest is where you can actually grow. So that's what a counselor does. She helps you find rest. She helps you feel comforted. She helps you grow. They're the people you can turn to when you have a rough day. You, you feel like you fail. You make all kinds of mistakes. You're in turmoil. You're anxious. You're nervous. You don't have peace. You can turn to them, and they can help you find rest. We all need a connection of a counselor who can comfort us. They make you feel better. Is that simple enough? They make other people feel better. 
Now, how do you do that? How do you make someone feel better? Now, I want to be clear about this. There is an element of making people feel better by bringing them the truth, okay? Information by preaching at them. But it's very, very small, okay? Sometimes you bring that. From my experience, most of the time you comfort people. It's not information. You give them what they truly need, which is connection. You guys hear what I'm saying? What people really need to heal in the middle of pain is connection. And you know how you build this connection? You empathize with them. Empathy means that you feel what they feel. You go into their emotion. You say, you know what? I'm going to feel your emotions. In your process of feeling what they feel, you build a, conne- a deep sense of connection, which is exactly what they need. Remember how we talk about connections as important as water and then food and all that good stuff, right? This is the integration part. When someone comes to you and say, saying, I'm hurt, I need help, we well, got to recognize, okay, what they really need is they need connection from you. Now, you might be like me who loves solving problems. Anybody love solving problems here? You're a problem solver. Someone comes to you with a problem, you try, you try to solve. Oh, what you need to do is you need to do this. Oh, you know the Bible says this. And you know what? You need to do this. You need to solve. You just never let this. Don't let them walk over you, blah, 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 blah. I don't know how many times I've devastated my wife by giving her a solution when what she really wanted was connection. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm still learning this. Sometimes I still make this mistake. Because I don't value connection. I don't understand connection is the milk for your soul. Connection is the food for your stomach. Connection is what we were made and wired to need. I don't understand that. I'm still trying to understand that. Connection is the gift you can give them when they come to you with pain and with sorrow. And you build connection by empathizing with them. Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one, Jesus Christ, who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, why did Jesus come? One of the reasons why Jesus came to experience our struggles, experience our pain, physical, emotional, is so that he can empathize with us and give us the gift of connection. So we come before the throne, we can be confident and ask for grace because we are connected to him through our shared suffering, shared experience. You guys understand this? This is the power of connection. So how do you do that? How do you empathize? How do you build connection? If you're a man like me, who's a problem solver, who's kind of like an a, 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 a alpha type who's going to get things done, I got one piece of advice for you. Okay. You simply practice James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my dear brother. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So what do you do? How do I even start empathizing? How do I start becoming a healer? How do I start connecting? Shut your mouth, open your ears, and listen to her. I mean, I I, I don't know how else to clarify this. 
I mean, when I, when I communicate and train new life group leaders, how can I pastor people better? How do I counsel people better? Take people out to coffee, okay? Ask a few pointed questions, shut your mouth, and just listen. And act like you're listening. Make eye contact. Act like you're listening. After you hear some information, you might ask a few more pointed questions to show them that you're actually engaged, and then shut your mouth again. I'm telling you, man, this is one, I mean... This is one of the most powerful things you can do for each other to build connection is to listen to each other. But often we do the opposite. We breathe information. We try to preach people in their pain. Often the information we bring, they already know. They could probably preach it better than you can. I want to give you a quick example. When I was in um, elementary school, fourth or fifth grade, in that season of my life, my identity is wrapped around my grades. If I got a good grade, my life is normal. If I got anything less than the A, my life is devastated, okay? And that's just where I was. And one time I got a really bad grade. And I went to my buddy and I shared my pains with my friend, one of my best friends. He proceeded to sing the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy to Me. (laughs) And I remember to this day, every time he repeated it, Don't Worry, Be Happy, he might as well be punching me in the face over and over again. Now, I didn't understand the time, but basically he was trying to preach at me. So not only am I in pain because of my bad grade, I'm in pain because my feelings are delegitimized, and I just need to go ahead and feel something that I don't feel. Does that make sense? And lo and behold, I'm as guilty as anyone. I've done that to my wife a million times. You know, I'm more articulate. I'll twist some Bible knowledge at her. But I might as well just say, hey, you know, suck it up. Don't worry. Just be happy. And I just keep damaging and damaging and damaging. I heard this illustration before that really helped me understand this concept. Um, They really make the distinction between head problems and heart problems. I shared this at Common Ground. I think I'm going to share it again. So in in other words, when someone comes to you with a problem, you have to quickly distinguish. Are they coming to you as a head problem or a heart problem? Sometimes we can't tell. Okay, but we need the eyes to see. So, for example, if you come to me, you, you, you say, hey, you know what, uh, what, what time is it? Well, that's a head problem, right? Head problem needs a head solution. The time is blah, blah, blah. Give you the time. Okay, but often what we do is people come to us with a heart problem. For a heart problem, they want connection. But we misdiagnose the problem and we give them head solution instead. We do that all the time and we feel good about ourselves afterwards. But people walk away saying, feeling devastated and hurt, but they can't even say anything because they're like, well, what he said was right. But they don't feel any connection. And what they do is they won't come to you again with it because they don't feel that connection they need. Now, I want to reverse this for a second. I want to say, hey, if someone comes to you with a head problem, I'm going to give them heart solution instead and see what that looks like for you guys. So, for example, someone comes to me and say, hey, you know what? What time is starting point today? What time is starting point today? Four o'clock, right? Starting point, the time, you're asking me what time is starting point. That's a head problem. And the head solution is four o'clock. But what happens if I give you a heart solution instead? I said, hey, you know what? Uh, Sarah, you want to know what time is starting point? Uh, I said, you know what? I remember the one time when everyone got to the meeting on time and I was late and I feel so devastated. I feel your pain, Sarah. Come to my office sit down. Let's process it a little bit. Tell me about how it feels to be so lonely. Tell me how it feels to not know 
something when you're just craving the knowledge of. Now sit down, just, just process with me a little bit. Tell me a little bit more. She would say, you are crazy, Pastor Andrew. I'm gonna go talk to somebody else. Right? You see how ridiculous that is? When you engage, when you misdiagnose a problem. But the problem is we do the reverse all the time. People come to you, kids come to you of a heart issue. Your wife comes to you of a heart issue. And I misdiagnosed a problem. I'm like, oh, Pastor Andrew is going to throw my three-point sermon at my son. Well, what he really needs is connection. Okay. And when we do that, when we misdiagnose the problem, we pat ourselves on our back and we say, you know what? I laid out the truth. And we don't see how ridiculous that is to them. Our emotions needs to be properly processed. You see, Dr. Henry Clow made a great point. He says, when we process our emotion, imagine like you have a nice piece of steak, okay? This steak is awesome, but you never process it as you eat it. You just kind of swallow the whole thing down into your gut. This nice piece of steak now becomes a major liability. I'll let your imagination go the rest of the, the, rest of the picture, okay? Okay, but if the steak is properly processed, in other words, you chew it correctly, it goes in your stomach, it gets processed by your digestive, you know, all that stuff, then the state becomes a powerful asset to your body, right? It's the same thing with our emotions. Two people can be undergoing the same type of crazy trauma, crazy stress, emotions, but one person has never processed his emotion correctly. It becomes a major liability that could lead to depression and addiction and all kind of junk. But someone else has a counselor who helps them deeply process this emotion. And they can use this emotion to catapult them to the next level in their life. Do you guys see what I'm saying? We've seen that over and over again. Great devastation, great trauma, but they overcame it and they're using this trauma to help so many other people. How do they get there when someone else is still in depression over the same trauma? The power of a counselor, that connection of a counselor to say, I am going to give you connection. I'm going to empathize with you. I'm going to process with you. That is the pro- power of processing emotions. You know, when I counsel people right now, and I don't do this perfectly. Many times I, I, I fail at this. But in my mind, there's a 30% mark. My, if I'm counseling with you, of all the words spoken, I should not speak more than 30% of the words. 70% of the words should be coming from you. Now, trust me, it's difficult because sometimes I feel like I got a lot of important points to make. <laughs> I have to remind myself, shut your mouth, Andrew. They're looking for connection and some information. Now, the truth is most of the time it's a combination of both. Some head problem, some heart problem. But fathers, husbands, I want to implore you, don't ignore the heart connect that people need. This is just as important. You would never deprive your kids of oxygen. You would never deprive your kids of food. You would never deprive your kids of water. Don't deprive them of the deep connection they need with you. You guys hear my heart? Remember when Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. He says, all this I've spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and remind you everything I've said to you. See, the word advocate, if you look it up, is the the Greek word parakletos. That word means intercessor, consoler, 
comforter, helper. The function of the Holy Spirit is to encourage us, is to challenge us and convict us, and also is to comfort us, to bring us peace. Because God recognizes that we need all these three connections to survive and to grow. And also the body of Christ is to provide these connections. I want to ask you again, do you have these three connections in your life? Do you have an encourager? Do you have a challenger? And do you have a comforter? I'm going to ask you again, are there people that you can be an encourager for? Can you be a counselor? Can you bring comfort to? And can you bring challenge to? Now, I shared a few weeks ago, I want to bring this to life, just my own personal testimony. A few weeks ago, I talked about this journey I've been going on with my wife, dealing with shame, the power of shame on her life. You know, throughout our marriage, in the years, she has brought different things to different degrees up to me. She would say, you know, after an encounter ministry, she'll feel like, you know, I just feel like I, I didn't do anything right. I couldn't, I couldn't articulate what I want to say. I feel like no, no one got anything out of it. She was feeling shame. Or I forgot my phone. Or I couldn't do this right. I couldn't do this right. And when she used to come to me with those problems, those issues of shame, I would engage by trying to solve her problem. I would give her heart solutions. Oh, you are great. Oh, the things you say were good. Oh, I don't think you understand where they're coming from. In my effort to be an encourager, I ignore her need for connection. I just threw a bunch of answers at her. In the last several months, the Lord's been turning up the heat. You guys understand what I mean? He's been turning up the heat in her life and my life about the shame. And I, I did not know how frequent she faces these voices of shame. And I didn't know how intense these were. And the Lord revealed to me all my efforts to try to help her by throwing head solution to her heart problem had gone nowhere. And the Lord says, you need a different strategy. You need a different connection. So I feel the Lord really dropped this method, this technique, this strategy into our lap. So what we did, and feel free to steal it, okay, is every time she feels shame, okay, it might be big, it might be small, okay, she would text me the word shame, S-H-A-M-E, she would text me shame. She doesn't need to explain herself, I don't need to hear all the details that moment, she just texts me the word shame. What that does is in the moment of her struggle, she's making a connection with me. Does that make sense? She's making a connection. And without trying to solve her problem, I simply text her back. I said, who took your shame? Who took your shame? I accept her struggle, and I point her to the one who can truly overcome her shame. And she'll text me back, Jesus. Three texts. That's it. That's it. In the moment of her struggle, I seek to connect with her. And what this did, it was amazing because a couple nights ago, she said to me, she said, Andrew, we've been doing this for less than a week. I feel a difference already. She says, I feel the weight and the burden of shame is lighter. It's still there. It's still attacking her. It's still trying to whisper to her, but it's not as overwhelming as before. And not only that, the duration of that shame Okay, it's much shorter now. And I was amazed. I'm like, we've been barely doing this just for a few days. And the Lord dropped in my spirit. Trust my words about connection. 
We need connection. And I jump out of bed and say, hey, babe, we, we need to let people know this. This actually works. This is not just in our head. This is not just a theory. Connection actually heals people. It's healing you. She's like, well, don't tell people yet because I don't know what's going to happen later. <laughs> I don't know the end of the story yet. Literally, she said this. She's in the overflow. You can ask her. But I said, no, I'm telling people because for me, you know, I'm a scientist by nature. Like my background is science. You look at theory and you test it to see is applicable to real life, right? The word of God is applicable to real life. The nature of our need for connection is applicable to real life. This is real. I said people need to know, especially men, we need to start realizing the healing, the key to our healing, to your wife's healing, to your kid's healing, is connection, meaningful, meaningful connection. You see, at Livingstone's Church, this is not a theory for us. This is very real for us. Okay, This is why for our youth ministry, we don't just have a large group gathering. Our focus is on Monday night small groups. You see what I'm saying? This is not theoretical. We believe in small group connections so much that we have a separate night dedicated to it. That's why this is why we have small group in marriage class, small group in, in, in celebrate recovery, small group, small group, small group life groups. This is why for our young adults ministry, common ground for the first year, we just had large group. Moving to the second year, we said, no, we must have small group. We must have small group. So twice a month now, we're going to have common ground. One's large group, one small group. In fact, I told people common ground, if you could only come to one, I'd rather you come to the small group. This is not theoretical. This is very real. We cannot force you to have those connections. We cannot manufacture or manipulate these type of connections. All we can do here at Livingstone Church is create the environment and the culture for those connections to stick. I want to implore you. I want to invite you. Do you have connections? Don't just be in proximity. Don't just be the arm in someone's back pocket. Make sure the vessels, the veins, the bone structure is connected. Connection is key to life. You need it. Your family need it. We need you. I want to ask you again, do you have an encourager in your life? Do you have a challenger in your life? Do you have a healer in your life? And can you be a challenger? Can you be an encourager? And can you be a counselor for someone else? Amen. Have an awesome Sunday. We'll love to pray for you up here. But guys, go and seek out those connections today. Amen. Amen.